by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Today we're going to preach a message called Out of the Zone. I might turn it into a series, I don't know. Out of the zone. I'm talking about, of course, the comfort zone. Where we seek so hard to stay, God is saying, no, no. You got to get out of that comfort zone. Everything in that comfort zone is keeping you from being who I called you to be. So you may not, your, your flesh doesn't want to come out of the zone. I can guarantee you that. But like that song says, all within me cries, Jesus, you. There's something bigger on the other side of your comfort zone. Something way, way bigger. You know, many of you know the story that I didn't get saved or give my heart to Jesus until I was 32 years old. I was a late bloomer. <laughs> but I always played in rock and roll bands. I played in country western bands. I I was always trying to be famous. You know, I I would have done anything back there to gain success in, this, in the world's eyes. And you know, playing in a band, you will play some places. You might, you might open up for some groups. You might have a little success or something. We did, had a, had a little success. But in the meantime, we went into some places that was even outside of my comfort zone. I'm talking some of these dives that we played in the meantime. But you know what? I wanted to be famous. I wanted to keep the band together. I would have done anything. I remember one playing over on Get Well Road up in Memphis one time, some club. I don't even remember the name of it. I was in a country western band. We, we, yeah, probably so. Don't name it if you know it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Especially if you're still going there. No. But, <clears throat> I say western loosely. I don't think we played any western, but we... We was like a rocking country band. And we played in this place. It was so rough that once we got our equipment set up, we realized that there were two biker gangs in there. Two rival biker gangs. And one of them was sitting on this side, and one of them was sitting on this side. And we were like, oh, no, this is outside of my comfort zone. What are we going to do? We don't even have any chicken wire, much less any bulletproof glass. So we were just hoping that somebody wouldn't start the thing, you know. Well, we started playing, and everybody was, they was kind of reserved. They was overlooking it across the th- way at each other, but we was playing. And then some drunk guy got up there, and he said, can I play harmonica with y'all? And I was hesitant to say no to anything. I didn't want to start him. I said, yeah, go ahead, play on this next song. So he got it. He had his own harp, and he had a cup of beer. And right before he started playing, he dipped his harmonica in the cup of beer. I guess it was to wet the reeds or something. I don't know. I've never done that. I've never seen that. But then he commenced to blowing that beer all in my expensive microphone, in the diaphragm of my good microphone. And I went up there. I said, dude. I said, don't do that. Don't blow that beer all in my diaphragm, in my microphone. He's like, okay, man, okay. You know, then he played a little bit more, and, and he was looking around kind of suspicious, then we didn't think I was looking. He dipped it in the beer again and started blowing it in my microphone. 
Now, you know, before I got saved, I, I had like a hair trigger, you know. And I grabbed that dude by the scruff of the neck and the back of his shirt and chunked him out on the dance floor. And before I realized what I'd done, I thought, oh, my goodness, I may have won, started the thing. And I looked out there all scared, and they started saying, yeah, man, woo! And they, they loosened up after that, and everybody got along. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell one on this group. We, we used to be called Diesel Jane. We played in a place in Whitehaven one time. It, you couldn't find it on GPS, man. This, this place was so far in the back of nowhere, in this little place. But every time we'd play there, there was this guy named Tiny. Of course, Tiny wasn't Tiny. He was about six foot nine, and I'm not exaggerating. He was about six foot nine, and I guess he would probably go close to 400 pounds. Easy. Wore his biker vest and all that. We was real nice to Tiny. You know, being in the place was outside of my comfort zone, and Tiny really made me feel outside of my, because I look up to Tiny, you know, it's like I wasn't throwing him on the dance floor. But we'd be playing a song, rock and roll or whatever. We was playing boogie-woogie blues or whatever. And then just at the right time of night, just when Tiny thought it was the time, he would walk up to the, on the stage without asking, move me out the way and grab the microphone and say, I want to sing my song now. And we said, yes, sir, what is it? <laughs> and we would stop whatever we were playing and start playing some Keith Whitley song that he wanted to sing or something. And about... Every time we went there, he would come up there, and he would get through singing. We gave him a round of applause. He would go sit down and be happy for the rest of the night. But I say all that to say, if I was willing to put myself in harm's way and in awkward situations and, and places I didn't want to be for the world and for my pursuits in the world, how much more that I know that Jesus died on my cross should I want to get out of my comfort zone for the kingdom of God? How much more? If I was scared back then but did it anyway, why can't we, be, why can't we do it with fear if we have to and be courageous for the kingdom of God? Now let's go to the great commandment. In Matthew chapter 22, I know all of you saints can quote this. Love the Lord your God, right? It, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's all of you, right? Is that you? Would you say that that's me? I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, strength, and my mind. But then he goes on in verse 38 says, this is the first and greatest commandment. This is the most important thing, love. Love God. But then he says the second is equally important. Now, what does the word equally mean? Just as. Now, you would think that loving God was the most important. But he said the second one is just as important, equally important. And I want you to realize, God is not just concerned about your vertical relationship. He's concerned with all your horizontal relationships as well. People-to-people -people relationship. You don't think he's concerned? You think he just wants your love? 
He wants your love expressed horizontally as well as vertically. Is that not what it says? To love your neighbor as yourself. Now, who would say that's me? I love my neighbor. Well, if you don't love your neighbor as yourself, maybe you don't love God as much as you thought you did. Did I say that out loud? I don't know what's wrong with me. Because you really can't have one without the other. If you have the love for God, then you must have the love for people. And so all of you on the podcast, on the, what's it called? Live stream out here saying, I don't need the church. I just need a good sermon. <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you better reevaluate. God is concerned about how we love others. <clears throat> now, the guy that asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, well, he's like a lot of us. He's like... Well, who is my neighbor? It says he wanted to justify his actions. Really what he wanted to do was justify his inactions. Huh? And maybe you're out there and you're saying, all right, Pastor, I know, I know. Here we go. Who is my neighbor? Because I'm just telling you, Pastor, my neighbor, he goes 350, 400 pounds, and he mows the yard in his Speedo, and I'm not ministering to that guy. I'm I'm not. <laughs> I ain't that, I ain't that holy. <laughs> yeah, some of them's a little difficult, ain't they? I don't know, man. Get you a blindfold and go out there and talk to him or something. But then Jesus began to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I know all you know this. We're not going to belabor the whole parable, but the, the gist of the story is a guy left Jerusalem, a Jewish guy, and he was on the way to Jericho, and he got beat up by some robbers. They took all his money and left him for dead in the ditch. And then, by chance, a priest walks by, you know, a religious guy. Then another religious guy walks by, and they look, and, nah, I ain't messing with that. And they just went on. He said, then a despised Samaritan. Now, when they say a despised Samaritan, see, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. They were the ones likely to put you in a ditch. They were not going to be the ones getting each other out of the ditch. They were like, uh, what's it called, Antifa and the Proud Boys. They were at each other's throats. They weren't playing. But the parable goes on. Jesus said the Samaritan came by and he had mercy on him. And he got him out of the ditch and he, he messed with his wounds, healed him up, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, paid for his his stay, and told him, I'd even pay more if you need more. Take care of this guy. And Jesus said to the guy asking the question, the one who asked, who is my neighbor? He says, which one of these three was a neighbor to the guy in the ditch? And the guy couldn't even bring himself to say Samaritan. He just didn't want that out. Of, he didn't even want to say that word, but he said, I suppose the one who had mercy. And Jesus said, you're right. So who is the neighbor? Who is the neighbor? It's not a question of, of who my neighbor is. The question is, am I a neighbor? And let me ask you a question. When Jesus found you, was it because 
you were living next door to heaven? <laughs> is it about proximity that makes you a neighbor? Is that why he, he, he finally saved you because you were living next door to heaven already? No, it's not about proximity. It's not about who lives around you, who you like, who you don't like. It's about you. Will you be a neighbor? Even if it's somebody laying in a ditch that you despise, will you let the love of God compel you to be a neighbor? Now, John 13, 34, Jesus said something kind of odd. He said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, that you love one another. And I'm thinking to myself, that's not a new commandment. Angie was reading the Ten Commandments this morning back in Deuteronomy, way back in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. God told Moses to write it down, the first commandment, to, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's not a new commandment, to love one another. Why is he saying this is a new commandment? Because the next line adds something special to the new commandment. As I have loved you. Love one another. You see, the first commandment was just love your neighbor as yourself. You might not even love yourself. But I tell you what, if you're going to love somebody the way Jesus has loved you, that's going a whole different step. Jesus turned up the fire. He turned it up a notch. He says, we're going to love like I love. You watch me. And greater love has no man than this than he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is telling us, turn it up. Get out of your comfort zone. You're fixing to live the abundant life I've called you to. I got more than this comfort zone you've been living in. I got more for you. Think about it. Was Jesus avoiding eye contact with you when he saw you at Walmart, hoping that you wouldn't say nothing to him? When he saw you in the checkout line, did he go to another line? I hope I don't have to tell them about me. Or did he seek you out? Was he actively seeking you out? Or was he avoiding you? How does Jesus love? And let me throw this in for you to chew on. Jesus left the ultimate comfort zone to come down here for you. <laughs> you're talking about a comfort zone he had need of nothing and he was born in a stable and he gave his life in between two thieves you're talking about leaving the Bible says because he was willing to go to the lowest parts of the earth God has highly exalted him giving him a name that's above every other name those both in heaven and both on the earth and below the earth, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess to the glory of God that Jesus is Lord. Because he was willing. What would God do for you if you were willing to lay down your life for others? Would you lack anything in your resistance? And oh, about the world to come. Oh, the treasures that you would have stored up in heaven, 
Ben Pirtle said Jesus didn't leave heaven to come down and sit in a safe zone surrounded by admirers. Jesus came on a dangerous mission to bring salvation to people who were destined for hell. He had a sense of urgency about this thing. Because he sees people dying in their lost state. And he couldn't bear it. And look, the fields are white to harvest. People need Jesus right now more so than ever. They are ready for somebody to come and tell me something because they're wearing these masks. And they're having a social distance. There's no touch. There's no interaction. There's not even a smile to be had. They're lonely. Their business is in financial ruin. They're suffering depression at all-time highs. Suicide rates are at all-time highs. The elderly are lonely. The children are not learning anything. They're being, their growth is being stunted. And then they say we can't even get together for the holidays. And if the politicians had their way, we wouldn't even get to have church. And some people say, well, it's just those politicians seeking control, to control our lives. And I agree with that. Some of them, politicians want power. But really all this is is a trial run for the devil's ultimate goal is to stop the church. Man, he's, I'm, I'm going to give it to the devil. Did he come up with something pretty good when he come up with COVID-19? Because he did all these things at once and we're, we're scratching our head and the church is still trying to wake up. What just happened? What did I miss? <laughs> it's his plan to divide us, to separate us, to isolate us, to dehumanize us, and control us through fear. And he's doing a good job. But I'm looking out over enough warriors here to take this nation. If Jesus shook the world with 12, what could we do with you guys? But for many in the church, COVID-19 has been a perfect excuse to set up camp in an ineffective place called the comfort zone. And I'm calling you out. Come out of the comfort zone. People need you. You need you. You know, one time we was preaching down at the jail back before they moved to the new building and they had an auditorium. And sometimes they'd bring us about 115, 20 people and the place only hold 100. <laughs> we had people lined up down, standing against the walls and stuff. And we'd play guitar and sing and, and then preach the message. You know, a lot of them would come just to, to talk to their buddies. They didn't care about any preaching or church service. They just wanted to get out of the cell for a little while. And you could hear them up here. There was just a, a roar of people talking under their breath. Because, you know, if we called them out, they had to leave. Or whatever. But they, they'd be up there trying to talk to one another and stuff. So there was some of that going on. But I remember playing a song one time, 
and the smoke alarm went off in the jail. And I could go on because it did. And it wouldn't stop. And I didn't know what to do. And I looked at the guard. He got on his radio. Then he gave me the thumbs up. Oh, it's just a, it's a false alarm. Go ahead. I'm like, okay. Kept on singing. We played two or three songs. And the guys were kind of singing along. I was surprised. Set my guitar down. Got up there and started preaching with the. I preached a message. 30, 40 guys came down and got saved that night. And you think that the message of Jesus Christ isn't powerful? You think they don't want to hear it? See, these people, they're like in a, they were, I call jail an adult timeout. For many people, it saves their life because their destructive behavior was about to kill them or somebody else. And so they get a moment to go to jail and they had to sit there and think about themselves. Then they begin to ponder, what if my life was different? What if, what if I took a new direction? It's the same way with the people that are quarantined today. We've got a generation right now so hungry for God's message of freedom. And I know it's difficult because they've closed down the places that we minister to, won't let us in. We can't even go into jail right now, but they are opening up next month. But but we've got, we can't just sit back and say, okay, we'll wait until the devil gets through. No, we have got to figure out ways to minister to people during this. And that's why our church, when we realized that we couldn't have in-person services, we went online. That's why when our children stopped coming, we started going to them through Kingdom Kids Online. That's why when we couldn't meet together with our life groups, we went together for Zoom call life groups. We've done everything we know to do, but I don't think we've done enough. And I'm calling on you today to get outside of your comfort zone, help us begin to think of ways to minister to the people in your life and to love folks with that love because they need it. Jesus was was walking down the road. He's got probably thousands of people following him. And he sees this little dude up in the tree. (laughs) And I imagine when Jesus stopped, it was like the the three stooges or something. Everybody pushed. (laughs) What are you doing, Jesus? (laughs) He said, hold on, hold on. He stopped everything. And they said, what are you looking at him for? That's a despised tax collector named Zacchaeus. Now you understand, tax collectors were hated Not only, well, they are today, too. (laughs) And if you're a tax collector, we love you. But but back then, the tax collectors were Jews who had traded on their people and went over to the Roman side and then began to collect taxes against their own people. And they would often, if not almost all the time, take more than was right and keep it for themselves. And in fact, this little kid up, this this kid, this little guy up in the tree named Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector of all the region. And everyone knew him. And everyone knew he was filthy rich because of stealing from his own people. 
And they hated this guy. But Zacchaeus was too little to see over the crowd. And something in Zacchaeus said, I want more. And he climbed a sycamore tree where Jesus would be coming through. And do you think Jesus just walked by without noticing? What was going through Jesus' mind? What do you think Jesus was thinking of when he went places? Was he just, well, if, if somebody happens to catch my eye, I might talk to him. Or was he actively seeking someone with a hunger that he could minister to? And when he saw Zacchaeus, he put the brakes on. And he went over to that tree. He said, I don't know why I tell stories looking at the wall. It's just, I can picture it in my mind. I don't know if you see, see Zacchaeus up there, but I do. And he went over there and he said, come down, Zacchaeus. We're going to eat dinner at your house tonight. And Zacchaeus shimmied down that tree and they went to his house. And Jesus took all his disciples. And guess what all the religious people did? Oh, my goodness. He's eating with sinners. You remember Nicholas's message last week? About how we got to get out of our comfort zone. We got to, we got to be around sinners if we're going to minister to them. Well, what did Jesus do? He went to a notorious sinner's house and sat down to eat with him. But he didn't even tell him who he was, didn't share the gospel, didn't talk about scriptures. Zacchaeus was so excited to be in the house with the love of God, just being in the presence of the love of God. He said, I'm giving all half everything I own to the poor, and if I cheated anybody, I'm giving them back four times as much. Just being in the presence of someone who notices you. These people are longing for somebody to say, I've got your answer. And in Luke 19, verse 9, Jesus responded to Zacchaeus, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And then he says about himself, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Are you seeking? Are you seeing people is the question. Seeking and saving is not comfortable work. It's not done from your comfort zone. The lost are begging to be found, but they're not coming to church unless you invite them. Typically, they don't get outside of their comfort zone. We have to. We have to care. The Apostle Paul he used to be called Saul. He was a Pharisee. He, he wore one of the long flowing robes, you know. He had a degree. He had money. He had prestige. He had honor. All the people thought he was a bag of chips, you know what I'm saying? And all that, too. But he was riding on his horse, and God knocked him off his high horse with a big blinding light. And when he recognized that everything that he had believed was a lie and that Jesus was the Messiah, he turned his life around and he got outside of his comfort zone. He gave up everything. He took off the long flowing robe. He didn't go back home and, and spend up all his money first. 
He just began to do what Jesus told him to do, and he lived one of the most extraordinary lives ever recorded. In fact, God changed his name. He said, you'll no longer be called Saul. You'll become Paul. You'll go on to write half the New Testament. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says, Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In one sentence, he sums up how much all his life's work to attain the status of Pharisee and all the things that come along with it, it meant nothing. It meant nothing when he found the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. In other words, if you hold on to that, those things, that's less you can hold on to Christ. What are you holding on to? Let go so that you can hold on to Christ. And then in verse 10, he said, I want to know Christ. Do you want to know Christ? Or just know about him? He said, I want to know Christ, and I want to experience See, with knowing comes experience. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. We all say, yes, I want the power of God in my life. But is it just so that you can build your little earthly kingdom with that power? Maybe that's why you don't have the power of God in your life. Because the power of God is here with a purpose. He said, I, I want to suffer with him. Wait, Pastor, this is, this is taking a wrong turn here. Sharing in his death. Wait, what? I didn't come to church to hear about suffering and death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Let me just clarify something. You can't be resurrected unless you first die. You want to experience the resurrection power of Christ? Then die to yourself. And let me just say this. There's no life in the comfort zone. Comfort is not living. Comfort is a slow death. I know this ain't going to get much traction in a lot of churches. I think that's why we're a small church. Because we're trying to get you to see something bigger. The truth. People don't want to hear this. Maybe your brain is going tilt right now. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to die to myself. I, I've got plans. I've got a 10-year plan. I've got a retirement plan. I've got 401k, Pastor. I've got the American dream. But something inside of you, where your spirit lives, is crying out. He's telling me the truth. There's more. There's more. Paul was going to Jerusalem, and his friends prophesied and pleaded with him, Look, they're going to kill you in Jerusalem. They're out for you. Paul said in Acts 20, 24, he said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So this, this ain't life at all if I'm not doing what I was designed as a human being to do. This ain't life. It's a counterfeit. It's accepting the, the fool's gold instead of the real. Do you know that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians and this book of Philippians, Philemon, and Colossians, all from a prison cell? Here we are in the middle of a pandemic. Ah, there's, we're just going to wait this out and see how it plays out. Paul's writing the New Testament in a cold, dank, hungry jail cell. There's a way for us to minister to this hurting world. We just have to know the way. We have to seek it. We have to ask God, what do we do? What do we do? I wrote down a few practical things. These are just practical things. Just some ideas to kind of jumpstart you. But you probably are already thinking of somebody or something that you could do to get outside of yourself and love on somebody. But a few things. Because a new normal demands a new game plan. Engage the lonely, number one. There's so many lonely people. Give somebody a call. You know, maybe maybe they're full COVID. And they're not they're not entertaining guests, and they're locked in the house, especially the elderly, who are uh, most <clears throat> susceptible to the COVID nineteen or whatever. But you can call them. Here's an idea: write them a letter. Go old school. Write it in cursive. They won't know what the world. <laughs> Invite somebody to your life group. We, we say that every week. But do it. I'm talking to that place on the inside of you that says you can do it. Invite them. And if they say, well, I'm not getting out because of the pandemic or whatever, say, well, join us on Zoom. And if you're a life group leader, make that option available to have some in person and some that can join on a Zoom call. Offer hope. Let's stop talking disease. Let's stop talking lack and poverty. Let's offer hope. Let's calm fears. Let's be the people who speak faith in our generation. Out of your mouth or whether it's on your social media or whatever, let's be the ones who, who see that Jesus is still on the throne and proclaim his goodness. Uh, help an elderly person do their shopping or something. You know, we could have probably been doing this all along. Cook someone a meal. Help a struggling family financially. Share your toilet paper if that comes around again. <laughs> Invite people to Christ. I mean, let's just cut through. And if you see somebody hurting and going down the wrong direction, stop beating around the bush with your 30-year plan to minister to them and say, look, let's just be honest. You need Jesus. He saves sinners. And just be honest with somebody. 
and cut through all the years of trying to get to that just right moment or trying to work yourself up to some spiritual place where you think you need to be before you can minister because that's never coming. It's through the ministering that you become that spiritual person. You got it backwards. I know a, a good church that's still meeting that you can invite them to. Even if it's just on the live stream. If you, those are just a few that I thought of. There's probably thousands of, in your life that you can think of to help somebody. And I would suggest that you speak with God and ask him. Say, God, what can I do? He's been waiting to hear that, boy. He has been waiting for you to say, God, how can I show the love of Christ in my life? Just And just do it. You know, a couple of weeks ago I, I preached and I told the story about me hugging a guy on Bill Street. How many remembers that story? It's funny that many people remember a story because I tell a lot of them. But the reason I say it is because so many people came to me after that and mentioned that story. I don't know why that touched so many people's lives, that story about me hugging the guy on Bill Street. He hadn't took a bath in months, and he was nasty, and he had urinated on himself and had no human touch or whatever. And, and, but, I, but you remember the story. Before I got there, I asked God to give me his eyes to see people. You've got to see people. <clears throat> and I'm always preaching that. When, don't just go to Walmart. Go with the intention of seeing people, seeking people. And, and when I saw that guy, through the eyes of God, I saw the love that God had for that person. How did this person get in this condition? You know, people wind up all kinds of ways. And there are people just like you, and you could have ended up just the same way if it weren't for the mercy of God. And so when I saw him with the love of God, I just knew he needed a hug. And so I hugged him. And that's what I'm saying. Let's begin to see people. You know, after our group Diesel Jane and all our exploits, <clears throat> you know, if you know the story, I'm not going into that for another time, but we all got saved in the same year. And a lot of them are on your praise team right now. And uh, we changed our name from Diesel Jane to Soul Food. We started ministering to folks. And one of the old nightclubs that we used to play, one of those scary places, called and says, we miss you guys, Diesel Jane. Y'all come on back. What, where y'all been? We, I told her straight up. I said, we're playing for God now. We changed our name to Soul Food. Oh, yeah, right. Like, I believe that, you know. I'm like, it's true. She said, well, yeah, yeah well, y'all just come back. How about Saturday night or whatever? And I was like, okay, but I'm telling you, we're going to play Christian music. She didn't believe me. <clears throat> you want to talk about getting out of your comfort zone. You get saved, and then they call you back into one of those scary nightclubs and go in there and play praise and worship music. <laughs> we got on that stage, boy, and we started playing. We was playing these rock and praise songs, and they got out on the dance floor, and they had the beer in their hand. They were just dancing like this. You know how they do. They just dancing all over the place. We started playing some worship music. They started slow dancing. It is like nothing I ever seen. And, and, and some of them were starting, you could see them out there, what is he saying? And they were singing hallelujah with us, and they didn't even know what they were saying. But somewhere along the line, I turned around, went back to my aunt, and got my old King James Bible out. I'd only been saved a year or so. I didn't know what I was doing. But I, I turned to Luke, 
And I said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And I began to tell what Jesus was here to do. And I closed that Bible, and I told him, Jesus loves you, and he sent us here. And I could have said he sent us here out of our comfort zone completely. Because we're doing this afraid. But he loves you that much. Man, they was crawling all over each other to get to us backstage after we finished. Well, it wasn't no backstage, side stage. Was, we was getting, and they, they were coming all over the place. And thank you for coming. You don't know how much this means. We've been waiting for somebody to come. Yeah, yeah, I'm, this is where you wait. Now. But... <laughs> Now get this, some of them were saying, well, I go to church down at so-and-so Methodist or so-and-so Baptist. Y'all ought to come over there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Here's one last idea. And this is one I ask uh, of you, that you would invite somebody to our Easter service, which is in, what, two weeks? April 4th. You know, some people will only come to church once a year or twice, maybe Christmas and Easter. And some people won't come at all if you don't ask them. But ask them to come. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach a message about Jesus, about his love, and what he was willing to do for them. And we're going to believe God that his presence is going to be here so strong to convict so that those people can be saved. I want, you to, I want each one of you to please not only write down some things that you can do to show the love of Christ, practical ways but invite write down some names of people you can invite to our Easter service we'll put more chairs in here and we'll just pray that you know we'll be protected in the process but we, it's time we get out of our comfort zone live lives that invite others to come on out of that tomb listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.